and welcome to the Betsy Boss Podcast. Welcome back. We're back here. It is coming towards the end of January. And before we get into our last and eighth episode of our Eight Passengers series, which we're very proud to have completed eight episodes of. And hope you've all been passengers the whole time with us. Uh (laughs) Along with the lizard who was (laughs) homeschooling the kids the whole time. We have to spill some liberty on something we just found out from 6ABC Action News. (laughs) I doubt they're the first. but (laughs) Yeah, they directly report to us now. We're really in cahoots with them. and They just wanted to get it out to the Betsy Boss listeners here. It turns out the Innocence Project has taken up the notorious case of not Natalia Grace. (laughs) Of not Natalia Grace. Of convicted killer Scott Peterson. Yeah. So this is crazy, y'all. If you listen to our episodes, you know that we refer to Scott Peterson (laughs) as Pot Concreterson (laughs) because he was found with literal concrete weights that he used to weigh down and tie to his dead fiancé's pregnant body and when he threw her into the goddamn ocean so if anybody else thinks he's innocent and that any projects deeming that people are innocent (laughs) should take him up i i think think again and maybe they ought to listen to our episode because we go into every reason that he's guilty including even the dog knew it and he tried to run free but anyway I mean, the Innocence Project clearly has their work cut out for them because Pot Concreterson has so much running against him, including the testimony of one Mackenzie Peterson. Yes. Man's best friend and Scott's worst enemy. Exactly. (laughs) We just had to let that out before we head directly into today's topic. We're going to come back around in our eight passenger (laughs) minivan. (laughs) And... We are going to bring it all full circle today. Comic sans and all. Comic sans and all. Lizard emoji and... Stick figure children. Stick figure children on the rear end of the bus. Yes. We have been covering this timeline for weeks now. And we have watched as Jody became more and more embedded in the Frankies' lives. And we went off on the Frankies. We talked about kind of that whole history and where Ruby got emboldened to start fully abusing her children and we talked about Jody and her history of abuse within her own family within adults children she really doesn't discriminate as we talked about when it comes to who she abuses she is just an equal opportunity abuser and now we're bringing them both together again last episode we talked about how Ruby allowed Jody to move into her and Kevin's home and Kevin was kicked out by Jody, which is pretty much Jody's MOD at this point because she will constantly separate these couples, kick out the husband. The husband turns into a shell of himself because he's been accused of false narratives like being a pedophile and whatnot. And that's exactly what she did here. So Kevin is living in an apartment. Ruby and Jody are shacking up together. We're not saying anything was going on sexually, but we're not going to not say it. Yep. And that's where we are. So this eighth episode is going to cover the rest of the timeline through the arrest and present day. So strap in to your eight passenger minivan. Or don't because they're notorious for not following a proper car safety, safety. protocol. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Because here we go. So picking up here, we are in May 2023. So 
as we get into this timeline here, it gets a little more, you know, we were jumping months and everything, talking about it before, but this gets pretty specific kind of going through this last chunk of time when everything really, you know, exploded. We know from Ruby and Jody's plea agreement that Ruby brought RF and EF to Jody's house in Ivins, Utah in May 2023. Kevin apparently had no idea that his children had been brought to Jody's because, again, he spoke to Ruby at her discretion every couple months and apparently did not speak to his children for the whole 13 months that he was away from them. It's not exactly clear where the other two children, AF-16 and JF-14, were living during this time. It's possible, and it seems likely to me from what I've seen, that they were taken back and forth between Jody's house and the Frankie home in Springville, Utah. But I'm wondering, too, when they were at the Springville home, it seems to me like they were probably left all on their own. To be homeschooled by the lizard. (laughs) Actually, the lizard was gone at this point. They rehomed him. Even the lizard knew it was time to run for the hills, shed your old skin (laughs) and all that. And as a reminder, this just kind of gives you a perspective of like, how much how time consuming this was the frankie home is approximately four to five hours away from jody's home so we'll see some evidence too of ruby kind of going back and forth making this drive we're not going to go into details of the abuse that rf and ef endured during this time but we do read ruby's plea agreement in episode 79a so if you want to hear the the details they're very difficult to listen to Um, But if you do want more information on that, we just kind of read the statement of facts there in that episode. But what we will say is that it was extreme mental and physical abuse. And truthfully, I think it could have led to death if it were allowed to continue. Brace yourself. And we probably should give trigger warnings out the wazoo just to keep people who are upset by these types of things out of this particular That's episode and you know while we're while we're at it just out of this whole series true it's a little it's, late in the game yeah. but hey it's never too late to take care of your own mental well-being exactly right? not that jody would know but oh exactly we come to july 2023 and we know from ruby's plea agreement that rf had a failed escape attempt in july so we really that just gives you an idea of how desperate these children were to get out of the situation that they were trapped in and you know they probably knew that it was unlikely that their escape plan was going to be a success and the fact that they still attempted to get the hell out of there at all costs just goes to show you and obviously the failed escape attempt preceded a successful escape attempt. exactly so to get up the guts to leave again yeah it must have taken a lot of mental and physical anguish to say to that kid listen i'm probably gonna get beat to shit if mm-hmm. this escape doesn't work but it's worth it yeah i mean and that gives you an idea of like his awareness too that to, to realize like i have to do this i i have to try this again yeah the desperation yeah So starting in the beginning of August 2023, the eight passengers YouTube channel comes down. It's deleted. And this timing is really weird. And it's not certain that anything can be read further into this more than just like it being a coincidence. But it's very interesting that it just so happened to be removed from the YouTube universe right before a month about before ruby was arrested 
Yeah, but I, I think it really was just a coincidence. Some people were speculating that somehow they got tipped off about being investigated or something like that. But, I mean, the fact that what triggered the arrest was one of the children escaping, like, that wasn't planned and timed. So I, I think it was just a coincidence and probably Ruby getting more and more into connections and, you know, realizing that or in her mind thinking you know, that this eight passengers channel was um, detracting from that in some way from her her true life's mission. So she got rid of it. Oh, and speaking of actually, I saw today is apparently her birthday. So Uh, unhappy birthday to you, Ruby. Wow, Capricorn. I am not surprised at all. That is so Capricorn. No offense to our Capricorns out there. But Capricorns, you may or may not know, tend to be very highly motivated, highly money driven, success there we go. driven. There we go. Very much the type of people who see what they want, go after it, and can execute, like can really accomplish the things there that they go. set their minds to. But the flip side of that is a lot of black and white thinking, mm-hmm. a lot of stubbornness mm-hmm. and hard headedness. It's really hard to fight with a Capricorn because. They do not like to be wrong. Even ah, if they are wrong, they definitely do not like admitting that they're wrong. And, you know, it's it's very hard to argue with them because they will fight to the death. Sound like truth with a capital T to anybody? Mm, exactly. <laughs> Moms of truth. Yep. So, yeah, it's happy birthday to Rubes. Unhappy birthday to you. Yeah. Because, ooh, you are just a miserable person. But coming right at the end of Capricorn season, we're just about to switch over to Aquarius. I'm not surprised at all. I wonder what Jody is. Yeah. I'm going to look it up. up. (gasps) Gemini! (laughs) June 15th. Oh, my God. I can see her being the true Gemini. Definitely a Gemini. Oh. And I can I can see her being a Gemini. Unfortunately, she really takes on all of those Gemini qualities. Oh. Again, some of the worst of them Giving being... Giving them a bad rep. Yeah, two-faced. I could see her get bringing people in and making people feel comfortable using her communication skills and then gossiping using it which against we them. know yeah we know is a big gemini problem and also a big jody <laughs> a problem big jody, yeah. because she as we know would yammer on about the stuff in the material that happened during session that her patients would divulge and she would just go ahead and tell everybody who would listen so capricorn and gemini are actually not a good match at really? all they're really not compatible signs they're air and earth so it's mm. you know you got like your grounded earth who's like success driven black and white and then you got your kind of airy flaky air is gemini and then earth is capricorn interesting so the whole different ball games but but i could see a lot of those qualities that are kind of that's stereotypical being true for both of those people so on august 25th 2023 getting back to the timeline ruby gets pulled over in ivan's utah and this, coincidentally, aka not coincidentally at all, is the same town as Jody's home. You're kidding. Shocker. And she got pulled over right about at 4 a.m. Like, what are you doing? So, what's going on? And she was speeding like crazy, going 57 yeah. in a 35 zone. So, trying to get somewhere very quickly or get out of somewhere very right. quickly. Like, what is the rush, Gus? Yeah. And in the car, this is kind of sad, too, because she clearly put them in danger, though. I can't say I've never sped by 20 miles per hour before. Yeah, but... 
but in the car were her two oldest children, AF and JF. This charge was later dropped because of the plea agreement. So bigger fish to fry. <laughs> uh, much bigger fish, exactly. Yeah. And like we talked about, you know, the whole idea of a plea agreement is to plead guilty to certain things so that other charges get dropped. Right. So the whole thing is a big negotiating tactic to get the person being accused out of certain things but it also helps the legal system because they admit to other things and sometimes they also admit in ruby's case to implicate somebody else who was also involved in their crimes so important to remember that these charges were peanuts and they were dropped because of everything else that ruby ended up pleading guilty to but if they had gone to trial this would have been really good evidence against Ruby. So the ticket was just five days before her arrest on August 30th, and Ruby was in Jody's town. So really a smoking gun right there. Yeah, like what else is she driving four to five hours away for? Mm-hmm. Just yeah. happened to be in town. Oh, you know, just driving through scenery 4 a.m. Right? Oh, those beautiful 4 a.m. sunrises. Oh, love them. <laughs> it doesn't, it's not the same as it is at 4 a.m., I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Ruby could not put all of the blame on Jody and pretend that she hadn't been aware of what was going on at Jody's house because she was just coming from there. Clearly, yeah. Clearly she was there. She was in the loop. And the type of injuries that these kids endured and developed are not things that would develop overnight. These took weeks and months to really get to that point. So it's not like it could have happened in a weekend when Ruby wasn't there. So jumping to August 28th, we have Dun Dun Dun, Jody and Ruby's Last Connections video. Last time those lovely headsets will get whipped out. It was filmed in Jody's basement, again, with the gorgeous kitchen in the background on a couch together. And again, just like the speeding, this is another great piece of evidence if they were to go to trial that Ruby was aware of what was going on with her children at Jody's house. You know, it this puts her there 100%. And even if we want to get more specific, that safe room that potentially people were, you know, kind of held in or, or whatnot. And again... That's not confirmed, but that was in the basement, too. So if we even want to get specifics of the house, like, yeah, there's no denying it. So now we move on to the big day, which was August 30th. And the public first begins to realize that something is going on because Sherry Frankie, again, the oldest Frankie child, she a post that she puts up on Instagram. And the post is a picture of police in front of the Frankie Springville they're just kind of like in the Springville neighborhood. Um, I, I don't know if their house is in the picture or not, but like you can tell where it is. And just over top of it says, it says finally. And it's so funny. So we actually have reposted this on our Instagram and you may have seen it in our stories. We'll have to make it a permanent post, but that post is just, whew, it's an emotional oh. post to look at because you really get all that feeling behind Shari's words and behind that image and how she must have felt when she saw the cop cars roll up and take Ruby away. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, she must have felt, especially with all of the reports that right. were made, all the different people that called in, the one including she, Shari. I was going to say the one she did specifically too. Yeah, like she must have felt so vindicated when it finally, finally, to yeah. quote the post, happened yeah and I I I remember seeing it and just there were obviously people talking about 
Ruby and Jody and, you know, speculation of what could be going on with the kids and stuff like that. But seeing this post and being like, oh, my God, it actually is real. There really was something going on to the level that police had to get involved. It was just like it was really sad, too, because it's like yeah. you almost want, didn't want it to be true. And then the realization that, oh, God, these poor kids were probably, you know, went through it. Yeah. We learned that RF escaped from Jody's house through a window. And I still am amazed. I really wonder how he was able to to get out because if you'll recall, he was handcuffed, I believe, or bound up arms and legs. I, I just have to assume that he somehow was able to get his hands out of the cuffs. Yeah. I mean, he must have gotten loose somehow because we've talked about in previous episodes the ways that Jody and Ruby took to binding the hands and feet of these kids and it was not possible to do much of anything when you were in those positions but I do have to wonder and this is just going back to the plea agreement um, because he had wounds they were wrapping them and then putting the cuffs on if that kind of gave him the ability to somehow slip out of out of them you know with get the dressings off or something like that god that's actually such a good point because if you think about it i mean and it's disgusting and horrible that they did this but the way that they dressed the wounds were with duct tape and on top of like cayenne pepper and all these right. other horrible things but obviously that's not gonna it's gonna be more easy to slip and slide than yeah. a person's skin yeah so maybe that did help him sort of slip out of the handcuffs enough to get out of there yeah and you know what now that you say that the 911 call which we'll get to in a second I I believe the the guy on the phone that called it in said that he had duct tape either around his ankles or wrists or something so I bet that was probably ended up helping him in the end so he ran away to a neighbor's house asking for food and water and I do want to say too if you take a look at Jody's neighborhood this is not a close neighbor oh my god like it's it's he's got to get out of that house get I think she's got kind of like a wall or gate around her property too. got to get out of that and then walk a, a bit of a distance to get to a neighbor and hope they're home and hope Jody doesn't realize that you've gotten away in that time he went to the neighbor asking for food and water and the note the neighbor noticed deep lacerations and duct tape on the boy and called 911 and if you listen to this 911 call it's heartbreaking it sounds like it's you know like an elderly man and he starts to actually like break down and and kind of cry on the line with the dispatcher saying that it's obvious that the boy had been abused so sad oh it's it's terrible and even worse he says that rf said that everything that happened to him was his fault oh which is such part of the rhetoric it's textbook jody yeah, it's classic Jode, you yeah. know, the devil lives inside you, and we're doing this for your own good, and exactly. all these punishments are just to help you, and because you were evil, and ugh, it's just, clearly he was brainwashed. Yeah, yeah, and but it's still even amazing that, you know, it clearly, that thinking, you know, had worked its way in, and he was believing that, but he still had the courage to escape. Oh, like, it's kind of incredible, yeah. like, how do you... Even while you think, yeah, even while you think like this is all being done for your own good or because I brought it on myself. Right. But then how do you still have the wherewithal to escape? It's really kind of incredible. It is. It really, really is. 
when the police arrived, RF was taken to the hospital right away because he was so severely emaciated and had such a deep lacerations around his wrist and ankles that he needed immediate medical care. Ugh. He told so the officers asked, you know, is who else is in the house or any other children there? And he actually told the officers that he believed his 10-year-old and 14-year-old sisters were in Jody's house. So, but how does he, so this is the part that scares me, is like, if he's out and he escaped, how does he not know for sure who's at the house? Well, that's the thing. Like, I think that shows you how isolated she and kept them. And who knows where he was, like where he was being held. Right. And, like, and if he's bound, contact, yeah. you know, he's probably in a room with a closed door and she's probably, it's a big house too. So she has more than enough room to just shack, like shackle these children up and and put them in separate rooms and they'll be at like totally opposite ends of the house even right so it, it is really crazy because we'll we'll come to learn that the 14 year old sister was not there it was just the 10 year old and it just it shows you exactly how isolated they were keeping him it's still not totally clear but at the beginning there was speculation about this safe room and a lot of people said no no it wasn't related it was you know, another case, but it was on the same being reported over the same, you know, line between officers of, over their radios. We did come to learn, though, that there was a safe room in Jody's basement later. And they at first thought that, you know, that's where they they put these other girls. And you'll see this room and it is so eerie to see. Uh, you can see it on the listing for Jody's house. It has a door and it looks like one of those big safe doors. It looks kind of like a, a giant, you know, person-sized, person-height gun safe. Oh, my God. You know, with a big, the big lock. Um, but when you open it, it's actually a small room. And it has a toilet, sink, refrigerator, pull-down, like, Murphy bed, and some cabinets. Like, so what the creepy. heck? Why do you have that behind this big locked safe door? door, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem that anyone was found in the room when police arrived, but there was mention of finding these dressings in a bathroom. Could that have been the bathroom, essentially, because it does have, you know, a toilet and a sink in there, which is really concerning. You know, was that where he was kept somehow? I, and is I don't that know. why he didn't know what was going on in the rest of the house right. and who was there? Yeah. So it was really creepy to see that. So police then did enter Jody's home and they found EF, who was also malnourished with healing wounds. She needed medical care as well, but her state wasn't as severe as RF's. So police tried to convince her to go to the hospital with them, trying to allow her at least some agency, you know, because she had been bound up and, you know. God knows um, what was done to her. Just deprived of being able to even have a say in what's done to her. So they kind of wanted to make it her choice. You know, you need to go to the hospital, but we really want you to to go. She initially refused, and it actually took cops four hours of talking with her and trying to convince her before she finally agreed to go to the hospital. So, I mean, I commend them for taking that time and doing it that way, but that just shows you the fear that was instilled in these kids too that it took four hours to and convince her. just to her. get medical attention. Right. Like not even, hey, here's why you should rat out your mom or hey, right, right. here's why you should give us every piece of information you know. It's no, here's what we had to do just to get you to seek life-saving probably medical care to 
deal with these horrible open wounds. Exactly. So as mentioned, they did not find the other girl in the home. And like we said, this just kind of shows how isolated these kids were and that RF didn't even know who was still in the house and who wasn't. So before Ruby got arrested, she called, guess who, good old ball and chain Kevin. Yeah, the worst person in the world, apparently, but in a pinch. Right, in a pinch. He clearly is a good husband because you call him. And it sounded like Ruby was in Springville at the time and got a notification from Jody. So she got in her car right away to head there. And obviously those two houses were far away. Right. And Kevin was working at the time and told Ruby he was going to call her back, which is actually hilarious. I know. Just to think like, oh, I'll get to you when I get to you. Like, sorry. Yeah. You know, meanwhile, Ruby's calling because her girlfriend's getting put in handcuffs and taken away. Her house is getting raided. But Ruby did say to Kevin that it was an emergency. So that did get him on the phone. And she told Kevin that he needed to come to Jody's to get the kids And Kevin, being a good dad and probably a decent person compared to the rest of these freaks, did make it to Jody's where he was initially detained and questioned. Poor guy. Talk about being at the wrong place at the wrong time and like mixed up with the wrong people. Seriously. Like, yeah, I remember when it was first reported, I guess somebody had seen them in handcuffs and had reported that he was also arrested. He was just detained at the time when he was there because as we know he hasn't been arrested there's been no charges against him in this case right and since we know more about this whole thing than the average bear we know <laughs> seriously he wasn't even anywhere nearby he was living in his apartment at the time right so when all this stuff went down equally probably like four to five hours away oh yeah springville is close to the university and yeah you know where he worked at the one point ruby and jody get arrested and they refuse to speak to the police but before Jody gets taken away, she does say that RF and EF should never be around any other children. Like, they should just be kept away from other children at all times. This is crazy. I, I mean, know. The fact that in her, like, last gasp before getting taken away, Jody is like, these children are dangerous yeah. and they should never be allowed around other children. They're like what so i have a question for you do you do you think she actually believes it what she's saying i don't know I know that's such an interesting point because like is she just has she brainwashed herself right even right to exactly think that these kids are actually evil like has she been repeating the same thing to them so many times that she's also hearing it herself and believing it i kind of lean towards that truthfully god i really wonder yeah but then it's like I don't know. How can you really think that? I know. Because it's her that's doing all this. It's right. her that's doing this abuse and all this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a really interesting philosophical question there. Maybe her one Gemini side believes that the other doesn't. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> but both Ruby and Jody get charged with six counts of felony child abuse each. And we talked about these counts in detail during our bonus episode. And both of them are held in Purgatory Correctional Facility, which is kind of funny, actually, that it's called Purgatory. I know. I know. It's very fitting. Oh, it's so fitting. And it's an interesting, you know, place because this is actually where Warren Jeffs was taken to after he was caught. So the big name. In good company. Yeah. Yeah. Religious communities. And 
What's also funny is I think we talked about kind of the Mormon belief about purgatory and about going to heaven and different levels of heaven and all that and how, you know, if your family is broken up, if the husband and wife are broken up, then the children don't know where to go and there's all these different levels. And I don't know, it's just kind of funny and fitting that they ended up going to purgatory. Very much Even though they held themselves out to be these amazing Mormons and to follow all the rules. So the middle children, AF and JF, at this point are still unaccounted for. And the cops break down the front door on the Frankie's home in Springville and start to search the house looking for the girls, but they don't find anyone home. Which has to be really concerning because Jody and Ruby aren't talking. Kevin doesn't know where the kids are. Obviously, RF and EF don't know where they are because they didn't even know if they were in the house with them or not. So where are these kids? Yeah, it's really scary. So it happens later on that we learn that Ruby called Pam Botcher, the president of Connections Foundation, saying that there was a family emergency. During that call, Ruby asked Pam to pick up the two girls and have them stay with her. So she picked AF up from her job at a local recreation center around 1 p.m., and took both of the girls to her house in American Fork, Utah. What a name Interesting for a town. Names here. But good news for the girls, probably, because I don't think Pam could be any worse than Ruby and Jody. I don't know, though. Really? I, uh, I, I think you're probably right. She probably isn't, but she's deep in it with with Jody. Well, in yeah, particular. she's the president of Connections. Yeah. She's probably not the most sane. No, no, I would not trust her. The police then arrive at Pam's house a bit after 6 p.m. and locate AF and, J- and JF. So think about that, though, too. This has been like a whole days-long affair, especially with the two different police departments that are hours apart from each other trying to figure out where these girls are, what the whole situation is. It had to be a relief when they they finally found them there and saw that they were unharmed. When police tell Pam why they are there, she doesn't really have a reaction. Not a good sign. No, bad, bad poker face. Bad with the poker face, Pam. Right. Bad time for the poker face. Pretty much they tell her that Ruby, her friend, and Jody are, or they might have just said Ruby at that time, you know, was accused of child abuse and she just like doesn't have a reaction where most people I think would be pretty shocked. Right. Especially after picking up the the two girls for the family emergency. What was the emergency? Go beat your kids? Like, right. I, I just, so she just said to them, didn't give much, you know, too much more detail. She told the officers that she picked up the girls because Ruby called her and just said there was a family emergency. Also, family emergency, you're not going to ask, is everything okay? Or like, right. Or, or you would think the person on the other end would at least give you some kind of insight, like, it's okay. My father just, you know, had to go to the hospital or like, what, something. Right. Some reassurance. Yeah. Just some details of background. Yeah. And you would think with picking up the children too, you wouldn't want to just pick them up and say, family emergency. Yeah. Like, that's why I'm picking you up. No further details. Stew on that until we hear from your mom next. That's so true. Well, also, it's funny timing. Whenever there's a family emergency, you don't think that your family's going to be totally separated. Right. Like, it's right. usually a time when you all have to be together as exactly. a family to deal with said emergency. Yeah. The connect. So Pam had them at her house cleaning because they were having guests over later. And she talked about this 
several times about having them cleaning and that she had been had them come over and clean before, which, again, is a favorite manual kind of labor is a a favorite of the connections teaching. So I wouldn't be surprised if they had been there before, you know, for some type of punishment. But when Pam, again, remember, president of the Connections Foundation is questioned by officers about what Connections is, she is extremely vague and just kind of keeps repeating that it's a life skills program. Hmm. Mm, What kind of life skills are you learning? How to clean, apparently. I guess so. Yeah. And how to fake family emergencies. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Police gave AF and JF the option of going into foster care or going with their older sister, Sherry. And they said that they wanted to stay with Pam, (laughs) but we're obviously told that is not an option. They ultimately did agree to go with Sherry, but, and this is unconfirmed, but it was reported that the girls ran away several times uh, while they were under her care and that she had to call the police and it just, you know, became a whole big thing. But it was confirmed that they were eventually removed from her care and placed into foster care. So it seems like something, you know, probably did happen for them to have to be removed. So how old is Sherry at this point? So she's 20, I think. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm just thinking they're about every two years apart in age. So 16, 18, she would have been about 20. God. Yeah. So did she have her own apartment at this point? She did. And this is a whole thing that we didn't touch on a ton when we were talking about Ruby's whole philosophy. But she was very big that when the kids are 18, they're kicked out of the house. No matter what, they're not allowed to come back. They have to find their own place. And she was in college, but she had her own apartment. She had saved up. She had a YouTube channel herself. And there was a whole controversy about some of her money, a bunch of her money going missing or, I don't know, being stolen from her account. And people now are speculating like, oh, did Ruby maybe go in and do that? I, I don't know. It's a whole separate thing. But she she had her own apartment. So in this situation, it was good that she was set up and, you know, fully able to take care of them. I do wonder, too, if they eventually had her move back into the Springville home with them just because that house was sitting there. So I don't know. And I wonder why. Why do you think they ran away from Sherry? I think they were they were still under the spell. The Yeah. Thinking, you know, and I'm sure because Sherry cut contact that Ruby and Jody just said terrible things about her and made them so so afraid of her. And it was really sad and, and scary to watch the body cam footage of when police showed up at Pam's house they blurred out the girls faces but the older girl in particular was would not speak like would not speak to police would not answer anything so Pam's husband it was weird he didn't seem to really like he didn't seem to be too involved in connections or really know Ruby or even Kevin that well which typical husband of a connections wife well, yes, but I'm also surprised, though, maybe with her being the president, Jody didn't get her hooks into him to kind of create that separation. But the girls, like at one point, he goes and talks to an officer a little bit further away, and the girl is left on the steps by herself, and the other officer with her keeps trying to ask her questions. She won't answer anything. Mm. Then when he comes back, there's two chairs on the porch and she goes immediately gets up from the chair closer to the officer and goes and sits in the one further away from the (laughs) officer like just wants to get as far away as possible 
So like you can you can see the fear that Ruby and Jody have instilled in them. So as of September 1st, 2023, we see police body cam footage of Kevin coming and getting some of his personal belongings, which are mostly electronics and some journals. Typical dork. <laughs> yeah, well, typical Morbin, too. They <laughs> yeah, love the right? journals. Oh, my God. So he goes and picks those up from the police station. And Shari had been allowed to go into the Springville house and pick up certain items because she had A and J in her care, as we discussed. And I will say she was smart. I Like, I, I think I probably would have done this, too. Like, she picked up I'm sure she picked up stuff for them but she also picked up a bunch of like computers hard drives um, the journals I think she even ended up picking up Chad and maybe Kevin's passports too that was or smart. something yeah good move yeah uh, so like she definitely you know was smart with what she took as well yeah in the footage Kevin is upset with the officer because Kevin wants Sherry arrested for burglary which is insane. His own I mean, daughter. Like, come yeah, on. Yeah, it's coming back to the family home, the own daughter getting her own stuff and her siblings' stuff. Like, come on. And also, like, you want to mess up your daughter's life over this and get her arrested? Right. Like, for what? Yeah. So the officer very calmly explains to Kevin that they're not going to be arresting Sherry because she didn't take those items with the intent to deprive Kevin of them. It was obvious that... You know, they were hers and her siblings, and she took them because there were reasons to have those things back. Yeah, and he hadn't been in the house for 13 months, so even though his name is still on it, you know, he hadn't been in there, and she, it was her family home, she was going in for her siblings, like, she had every reason to be in the house. Yeah, so... It's pretty clear at this point that because of this whole burglary thing and everything else that Kevin is still really bought into the whole connections thing and even just how he views Shari as like an evil child who's doing something that the devil is inside her and she's committing these sins. It's obvious he's still very much under the spell of connections, even though it completely screwed his life up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we move on to September 7th, where there's a custody hearing. And at this point, I don't remember if this was, I think it was not open to the public. I'm not sure. Actually, no, I think it might have been open to the public at this point. This next kind of story, definitely take it with a grain of salt because it comes from the Daily Mail but it 100% aligns with Jody's MO and, you know, her her fixation on, like, sexual sins and making up stories about acts that didn't occur. And it also aligns, I think it adds a little more credence to this because it kind of aligns with her statement that RF and EF should never be allowed to be around other children Oof. and, like, why she was saying that. So in the middle of this custody hearing... Ruby began to just go off on detailing sexual abuse that she claimed one of her children had committed for years. And here we're presuming just kind of how she describes the situation that she was talking about RF. And this was the child that escaped. She said that the child began watching pornography at age three. Which I'm sorry. (laughs) Let's stop right there. What three-year-old, first of all, has access to pornography yeah how would you even know as a three-year-old how to get onto a computer and find this right like i'm sorry that just doesn't make any sense at all no no and like 
how uptight they were about electronics and stuff in this house. Where's this kid even getting on the internet? Right. Two, if he is seeing this at this age, that means it's somebody else that's able to access it that's like showing it to him. Or that it's just accessible in the home that someone had it. Exactly. So she said this child began sexually abusing a younger sibling and then the two began sexually abusing other children. Like they made a little like partnership and then went off and... I don't even understand this, and I don't know. I mean, grains of salt, obviously, 100%. And, of course, grains of salt to Ruby, I guess, just, like, pointing her fingers at them. Like, and I wonder, again, I mean, this goes back to the whole, does Ruby and do Ruby and Jody really believe the things that they're saying? I think at this point, she Ruby at least definitely did. I think, and no offense to her, actually, all the offense to her, she's stupid. (laughs) She's not a smart person. She's not very intelligent. Kevin's definitely intel- an intelligent person, but married a dumb bunny there. Mm. So I, I guarantee she believes this at this point. She claimed that the the older child sexually abused 20 children, including cousins and neighbors. So again, I'm going to jump in. How did this person have access to 20 children? They I know. didn't go to real school. A very true for the majority of their childhood like these the two youngest in particular were homeschooled and 20 children's a lot of children to be left alone with for a long enough time to abuse them exactly sexually exactly i'm sorry is there a new part of the mormon classroom where you just get alone time one-on-one with children to molest them Uh, exactly exactly it's everything about this is so outlandish but this last part really i do not know what to make of it uh, but here's here's the statement from the Daily Mail. I thought it was just easier to read it. In a surprising courtroom move, an attorney who was sitting in the public viewing area stood up and asked the judge to hear details about the about the molestation of another child because a mother of one of the alleged victims was in the courtroom. The judge denied the request, <laughs> citing Ooh. that details of the alleged abuse can be heard at a future time. Duh. <laughs> Duh. but like how i who is this person is it a connections crony that they got to like sit in the audience and bring an attorney to try to validate these claims like yeah i don't what, get that what the heck all. is going on well and then i mean this is all topsy-turvy because if there's somebody's parent the parent of a victim you would probably try to not read that testimony out loud right rather than let's hear it all let's hear these hideous details of this horrible abuse that your child suffered because the parent is right here in the audience what do you want the parent to get so incensed that they come and kill the kid (laughs) yeah it does not make sense at all but i think this is really some kind of messed up tactic of jody's i mean remember jesse having to confess imaginary sins and Jody kind of being fixated on male sexuality. I I just I I guarantee that Jody created this story about this boy, um, but like got him to agree to it and admit it, and you know somehow twisted it to this this really happened. Look, he's admitting it when it's Jody orchestrating all of this. Well, yeah, and I could see just because of the extent to which they were able to brainwash these children. RF or whoever it was accused of abusing the other children 
really coming to believe that, okay, maybe I did do this. Maybe I am this abuser. Like maybe I am sinful and dangerous around other children. Yeah. Or Jody saying, I had a a dream, unlike Martin Luther King, (laughs) um, but I had a dream that you molested these children. That has to be true. And then him believing like, well, it must be true. Another angle, and I I don't think they were smart enough to think like this, but another angle for You know, the reason uh, that Ruby brought up this story was to keep the children isolated, even in foster care. Which is so sad. Oh, it's awful. And like, if that is true, if that was really her aim to keep them separated, like into the future. Yeah. That's like next level manipulation and like evil to just keep these kids separated, keep them isolated even when they're out of her care. Exactly. And she doesn't have any skin in the game, really. No, but she can still affect kind of what happens to them. Because ultimately, RF was, because of these allegations, he was placed in a home where no other children were living. So he had to be, you know, separate with adults only. Yeah, this, this is when you really want the kind of healing and no pun intended, but connection to start, you know, the connections start being built up again between the siblings and potentially Kevin and whatnot, and they're isolating him altogether. Right. So Ruby's sisters have various responses to what's been going on, including the arrest. And they posted the same statement to each of their Instagram accounts. And it's important to remember, these people are also vloggers. They're not professionals. And, you know, they're coming at it from a certain angle that's going to be different than an angle that any of us would kind of approach it through. And the statement really clearly shows that none of these sisters consulted with any kind of PR on the statement. It doesn't come off well at all. It doesn't come off intelligent. And it just, it comes off very much like, all right, this is a dumb person saying dumb stuff. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, it's not the worst ever, I guess, but it's just how some of this stuff was phrased. It's just like, you clearly did not consult with someone and people are going to look at this and read into this a certain way. And yeah. Yeah, you didn't think about the implications at all. Exactly. So here's the statement. For the last three years, we have kept quiet on the subject of Ruby Frankie for the sake of her children. Again, there's already so much wrong with that's, that that's one the, statement. That's the one that people latched on to begin with saying, like, you have this big platform. You get, you know, millions of views and you and kept, you kept quiet. quiet. Yeah. Like yep. that was your and for the sake of her children. Like, uh, yes, inherently right. flawed. Exactly. Anyway, behind the public scene, we have done everything to try and make sure the kids were safe. We wouldn't feel right about moving forward with regular content without addressing the Which, most uh, reason of that line. So flawed. Yeah. Like, oh, back to your regularly scheduled exactly. program. Exactly. Like, no. Exactly. That is not what people are worried about exactly. and what they're thinking about. And it's not what you should be worried about either. Yeah. But. They're not like, oh, are they still going to post? Right. Like, oh, first and foremost, like, what's the next episode going to be about? Yeah. Like, oh, my God. So they say, we wouldn't feel right about moving forward with regular content without addressing the most recent events. Once we do, we will not be commenting on it any further. Lies. Again. Get ready. Well, and that (laughs) also, like, puts yourself into a box. Yeah. And which clearly they broke out of the box. Ruby was arrested, which needed to happen. Jody was arrested, which needed to happen. The kids are now safe, which is the number one priority. So... We started to dissect it as we were talking about it, but like 
This is such a piss poor statement. It's terrible. It's so embarrassing. They obviously didn't think it through before they all posted it. They had just like circulated it around and popped it out there. Yeah. But oh my gosh, there was a ton of backlash. And to the extent that Bonnie and Julie both released separate videos trying to clarify oh, and, and walk back work. their Worse. statements. Yeah, it's classic like give them enough rope to hang themselves with. You know, the more you try to kind of cover your tracks and backwalk it, it's like, mm, you're yeah. making it worse. Yeah, you're making it way worse. Yeah. So Bonnie, in particular, just like really dug herself into a deeper hole and came off even more self-centered than before. Yeah. It, it just, I mean, you could see it in the initial statement, too. And this, especially in Bonnie's video, just kept talking about like the effects on how it was going to affect them and their livelihood and making videos and all this stuff. And it was like, where's the extreme <laughs> expression about like, Oh my God, this is hard. Like the, the sadness for the kids and just like about the kids, the people who are the actual victims in the situation, right. like, sorry, you can't, you know, post anymore. It's going to be harder for you to exploit your kids online to make a living off of, Oh, I feel so terrible for you. Right. Exactly. And that's the evil that all this sprang from in the first case yeah yeah Uh, like it it just and she's actually made a couple other videos clearly stupidly in the heat of the moment and then (laughs) deleted them like she did I didn't include it here because she actually deleted this one video before it seems like anyone could like save it down um but she started like just talking about how terrible Ruby was as a child oh my god which again just like who cares I know and not the point it's not making things look any better like why would you you're also it's just kind of a money grab by knowing that content about ruby is gonna get you a lot of clicks and a lot of views you're just exploiting the situation and it makes you look even more complicit right and more like well we kept quiet about it for the sake of the kids aka we kept quiet about it and it fucked the kids over because we didn't report anything same thing as oh well i knew she was a sociopath since she was a kid right Uh, then why didn't you say anything yeah then why is this only coming out now but one of the things that i did think was just oh like this shows you how random like just how stupid these people are i'm sorry they're just stupid people (laughs) it's Um, really stupid oh they're just so dumb but she even one of the stories because somebody did take down notes i guess um one of the stories she told about Ruby was that Ru- Ruby would hog all the feminine hygiene products in oh her house. Oh, my God. I wouldn't care if her sisters had enough or whatever. Like, what? What? Why is this what you're pulling out now? Also, like, like, Captain Irrelevant over here. Right. Like, why are you trying to even, what are you trying to even say? Yeah, that tampon hoarding is a clear sign of future child abuse. <laughs> like, literally. I, I just don't get the connection, Bonnie. But, <laughs> all right. So to speak. Yeah. Yeah, it's. It's really sad, and it's clear that these people got famous on a whim, and yeah. that they didn't have a lot of real talent. They latched onto a trend and were able to just hit it at the right time. But with all that fame and you know internet success and following and everything like that, it it didn't help them develop any actual skills no. and empathy and tact. Like they they just have none of that when it comes down to it, and. It's very much like just a person who got sort of thrust into success, but through no doing, doing like their of own, their own. Their exactly. Own doing. Well, and but it also is like 
okay, that's how you fall into things. But that's kind of how Kim Kardashian became famous in a way. And she at least had the wherewithal to then, oh, I'm making a lot of money. Let me hire PR people. To, like, so, yeah, <laughs> so I don't sound like a moron. Yeah, like at least have the wherewithal to be like, okay, now I can afford to like have a team to continue to build my brand in a positive way. Not 100%. just posting rants and deleting them when people are like, that looks bad. <laughs> like <laughs> So true. But now we're getting up kind of towards current time in November of 2023. This last Thanksgiving, Kevin actually spent it with at least Sherry and Chad. His attorney said, and again, his lovely chatty attorney, <laughs> that he was seeing the children over Thanksgiving, but he didn't really elaborate. So we're not sure if this meant that, you know, the minor children were also able to have Thanksgiving with him, but he at least is connecting with the older two children again, which is a good sign. But then on November 29th, and we kind of covered this in another episode as well, Kevin files for divorce. You heard it here first. <laughs> yep. Months later. Then we move on to December, December 18th, Ruby enters a plea agreement. And this was surprising because I really was thinking with this whole ego and this whole kind of mentality they had with connections that they were going to go to trial. So I was surprised. Um, but Ruby entered into this plea agreement. Two of the counts were dropped and she pled guilty to the remaining four. She also apparently started speaking with her extended family again. And you'll see at her when she was entering this plea that some of them were actually there in the courtroom sitting right behind her. So it seems like she's trying to make amends, which I, I don't know. It just when you do something this terrible, I just can't imagine how that family can like take it back yeah it just I don't know well and we talked about this too how surprised we were when the plea deal came out and um you know we covered this in our bonus episode which was part of this series how shocked we were above all else as to who was in the courtroom with yeah. her at the time because it really is just shocking that any family could even stand to be around this person after all that they've done yeah and I mean I guess I, I feel like parents it, it, it's more typical and expected for them you know they can not like what their child did but they're always going to love their child mm. um, but she also had siblings in the courtroom too which was really surprising to me that they showed up god do you think that they're just a idiots and b so like dependent on the fame that Ruby created that they're just trying to back her even though they know that she was wrong and no so I actually it's interesting because um, that's a, an interesting point that you bring up because it was actually and this is such a weird way to look at siblings the two least popular vlogging siblings that showed up in the courtroom <laughs> so Bonnie and Ellie are the two that are the most second two most popular behind Ruby um, and it was Julie and Bo and Bo I think they've even deleted their channel Julie has the the least amount of you know subscribers and views and everything Looking into it, people are really speculating, especially because of these rant videos that Bonnie has posted, that she and Ellie, because they actually are kind of buddy-buddy more so than any of the other siblings, there may be like a, a schism kind of forming in the family of the siblings that support Ruby, the siblings that don't. And the other thing that I, I saw, and this makes me concerned for the children, is there's a huge, huge push on forgiveness in the Mormon church. Right. So I can totally see that being like 
laid on very thick and, and those siblings kind of succumbing to that and showing up. So I that's don't know. That's a really good point. Hmm. Yeah, that's wow. just my kind of thinking on it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to sort of see what happens as time goes on. So as we said at the time, as we reported at the time, Jody also entered a plea agreement, and it was very similar to Ruby's. It was almost identical, um, where Jody pled guilty to four charges, and two charges were dropped, and. That takes us up to pretty much present day. Something actually just happened this week again where Kevin is suing Jody. And like we've mentioned throughout, Jody's house is currently for sale for over $5 million. Which which is is crazy. It's crazy. It's a huge, huge, and it's a beautiful house, sadly. Safe room and all. (laughs) Safe room and all and safe room. Like we've mentioned throughout also, stuff just keeps developing and happening, um, you know, week to week and... Kevin actually this week sued Jody. He is looking to, you know, with with all the therapy and everything that the kids are going to need and whatnot, he is suing her. And also, truthfully, I didn't look too much into it, just kind of skimmed it. But I think especially with the house being sold, he wants to make sure that, you know, that can kind of be frozen so that she can't get into it without you know, this kind of being dealt with first. So I think it's a, it's a good thing, honestly, that he's doing that at least. It shows that even though his attorney seems a little too camera happy, <laughs> he hopefully has kind of an idea of what he's doing and the best way to get some restitution for these children. And next up, get ready for February 20th, there will be the sentencing hearings for Ruby and Jody. They will be separate It will be interesting because I saw speculation that after this happens, we may get the body cam footage of their actual arrest. Which would be hilarious. And then we will, we should get their mugshots because there's actually a law in Utah that mugshots aren't released until after like, you know, all court proceedings and everything have been completed. So I think the body cam footage though will be really interesting um you know to kind of see and give a really good view of what was going on in the mindset of both of these women at the time thanks so much for listening to today's episode of betsy boss podcast if you'd like to find us online we're on facebook at betsy boss podcast on instagram at betsy boss podcast on twitter at betsy boss pod and our email is betsybosspodcast at gmail.com. Also, Betsy Boss is now on both iTunes and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Thanks again for listening. Mm-hmm.